0: Oh, 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 oh. Oh, 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 oh Everybody was coming for-
1: and welcome back to the rewind i'm josh and this is a podcast where i watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends we're continuing our season of rewatches or uh, revisits to old movies as we struggle through this time of closed theaters and this week we are talking about both the raid in the 36th chamber of shaolin and i'm very happy to be joined by my friend daniel lima to get a kung fu education daniel thanks for joining me
0: oh it's a pleasure always a pleasure
1: yeah, so I'm. I, 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 one thing I'm just kind of trying to do is either go back and watch movies that friends have always been telling me to watch, or kind of get exposed to something that I haven't been exposed to before, or watch like a famous movie by a director that I've just like never seen before, even though maybe I've seen a lot of the other director's stuff and that kind of thing. And this kind of hit a couple of those spots in that like Daniel has been trying to get me to watch The Raid for quite some time now, and I have a lot of other friends that speak very highly of it, so I was like, all right, I finally need to get around to this it's it's, there's no no reason not to so many people have said it's great and at the same time like i daniel i feel like has talked my ear off about all this kung fu stuff before in the past that i i just it's just a blind spot i don't i don't know it it's a big part of film history and i feel like i should at least try and you know learn a little bit more about it because it's not that hard to do that when you know nothing so I, I told Daniel to give me a recommendation on something else to watch on top of the Raid that might might have been something that was a little older that maybe but in some ways in the same vein as the Raid. And he said 36 Chamber of Shaolin is a kind of a good starting point for uh, for someone that's just kind of getting into Kung Fu. So I thought, alright, well, I'm the novice, so that's where I'll start. But the 36 Chamber of Shaolin is a uh, 1978 movie that is produced by the Shaw Brothers, who I, was, I now know, who Daniel very well knows, uh, produced a bunch of Kung Fu movies and that's what they're known for uh or what the studio is known for and directed by uh lao lang is that my saying that right do you think um, you know
0: what i'm gonna tell you i've i've only seen their names spelled out I don't know how they're said, so I think both of us okay. are going to be yeah, misspelt, missaying gonna, some stuff.
1: Yeah, we're going to sound, we're going we're gonna to butcher a bunch of names probably, trying to get through this bo- probably for both movies, but uh, The Raid actually kind of keeps it nice and simple with the names, so I, I take that, mm. so that'll be easier, but uh, the the movie, uh, and, and and they spend a lot of, uh, our main character in 36 Chamber of Shaolin at the beginning is a uh, a younger student, name again, apologies, Liu Yud, If I'm reading this uh, phonetically, and he, uh, he he's kind of a, a younger student in this uh, small uh, Chinese town that's being kind of taken over by this uh, more oppressive government called the Manchu government. And he is, you know, taken in by a, a teacher that is trying to kind of create some kind of uprising. And they uh, it gets snuffed out by these new this new oppressive regime, and a lot of them get killed as do their families. But Liu Yud is able to escape. And he says, I need to kind of seek vengeance against these people that just kind of destroyed my home, and I'm going to head to the Shaolin Temple to learn Kung Fu from monks. And that the movie is largely about him going through that process before he kind of seeks revenge at the end, and that's, that's basically it. So before we kind of get into the plot of this movie, I want to ask you, Daniel, uh, what do you think about this movie? I mean – even if it was maybe like one of the you know first movies that kind of spawned a lot of others like it, what about this movie kind of speaks to you as being a uh, kind of a quintessential starting point for someone that's like trying to find an entry point into Kung Fu? And what about it is so representative of the rest of the genre that makes it something that you might recommend to someone like me?
0: Well, uh, I'll note that it's not really the starting point. Uh, the Shaw Brothers had been producing these Wu Shaw movies, uh, you know, like these uh, Chinese period martial arts films, like since like the '60s, um, and <laughs> producing like dozens of them a year. Oh, okay. This came, yeah, this movie came out in like 1978, so you know they they had a lot of experience in making these sort of pictures right. by then. Um, but this is one of those movies that has. You know becomes iconic within like you know uh uh, action film aficionados like i mean you know it basically is the foundation of everything that um um uh the rZA has made you know from the wu-tang clan uh you know quentin tarantino it's you know a big fan most people who are into genre cinema List this as one of the greatest martial arts action films that you could ever possibly see, and that's what I knew going into it, you know, years ago when I was first starting to watch these sort of movies. Right. Um, honestly, uh, I, I guess I should, you know, open up with how I feel about the movie myself. I think that it's good, but there are better movies you know in terms of like the action in terms of the story uh there are better examples that Shaw Brothers has produced that this director uh, he's got like three different names I've seen floating around so uh Chia Liang Liu is what I've got in front of me um this director has made like so many you know movies that I really really love Gordon Liu who is the star uh is one of Shaw Brothers like big, big stars. Uh, He was, I think, the biggest star in their stable. And this movie did make him an international, like he put, put, well, put him on the map internationally, you know, relatively speaking, he was still a, you know, Hong Kong based actor who never really transitioned to Hollywood. Uh, But the fact of the matter is, this movie is so utterly iconic. And it's referenced so much by other movies that came after it, by uh, people who were influenced by it. And it Incorporates so many elements that are common in, in all of these movies, uh, from the cast to how the sh- fights are shot, like and the production design. That I, I think that it's just an, a good way to dip your toe into the water.
1: Should say, uh, Gordon Liu did. Uh, you mentioned Quentin Tarantin- Tarantino. He did make appearances in both Kill Bill Volume One and Kill Bill Volume Two, so did pop up in Hollywood at least a time or two. So
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Think- he was. He played in that movie. He played uh, Pai Mei or Bach Mei who uh, is a legendary figure in, like, Chinese mythology, I mean, Chinese folklore, I should say, and he actually never played that role in China, but uh-huh. he, he played, like, because that role was always the villain, he was always the hero, but in, like, three different movies, he fights Bak Mei, who tends to be played by Lolei, who is the villain of this movie, uh, the 36th Chamber of Shaolin, uh-huh. he plays the Manchu general, yeah.
1: Interesting. Let me ask you then. I mean, I, I understand all the ways you just kind of just describe in which this movie was pretty influential, but is as someone that did not know very much about kung fu movies at all still doesn't i should i should rephrase that i don't know much about them at all all i all i really kind of knew is like oh yeah well there's like a lot of fighting and the martial arts are just obviously like a big part of it and it's just it's just a lot of cool fights and that's literally all I, I didn't really have any other expectation i didn't really have i don't really have that much other knowledge of the genre beyond that but i mean obviously big theme in this movie is like you know being driven to fight back against oppression or at least that's what's motivating this specific character in this specific movie and you he's at least rubbing up against uh, a, a desire of the, of the temple of the monks to stay, stay neutral on all kind of domestic affairs of that nature. And that comes up a lot. Is that kind of a theme that runs through any of these movies, just like fighting back against like any kind of uh, oppressive leader or anything like that?
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, the most recently, most recent one that I've seen, I've seen uh, Shaolin Mantis, I believe. Uh, I forgot who directed that. Um, I believe it might have actually been the same director. And it's, you know, basically like a spy movie about, like, you know, a man trying to, like, you know, fight against the Manchu oppressors. Uh, actually, that's one of the elements that uh, the RZA specifically notes as one of the things that really appealed to him about this movie. He saw this story of oppression and fighting back against it. And, it, of course, as a young black man living in, you know, 70s New York or whatever, like he he saw himself in this movie. He didn't realize these sorts of stories existed throughout the world. World, oh, and yes. The po- po- here's the thing: this movie is far more political than I had previously remembered. If you're not talking about like the hour-long training sequence, then it's <laughs> all about like you know the, trying to throw off the yoke of the Manchu oppressors. Um, oh man! I, 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 well, I was like, just
1: gonna say, I, don't, I, I. I I, I, it definitely is, but like at the same time, like that training sequence is like three fourths of the movie. It feels like so, which is cool. Like I think that's an interesting thing for a movie to have. And to, like a training sequence in movies is often reduced to, like a ten minute montage. So I thought it was kind of cool to just like you no know, blow it out, and that's what this movie is going to be about more so than anything. But I was almost like I, I kind of enjoyed like sitting in the tension a little bit between. I'm just going to call him Santé. Can I? Can I? Is that is that fair to do that? Yeah, yeah. That's the name. That's the name. Month, that's that's
0: yeah, that's the name that he adopted when he, yeah. you know, went in the temple. That's what the fig, that, that, that's what the the figure at least is known as mostly in folklore. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, so like I enjoyed when he at this at, when he like actually tries to like uh, make his intentions really known to the monks and they're just really not having it. And I I thought that was actually kind of interesting where it's like these guys have like super pure lives, but it's also like against the it's also like kind of in keeping with their creed credo to just like not get involved even if like hey we're very pure we're so pure we're not even gonna get involved to fight back against evil and like i kind of liked thinking about that for however long the movie actually like sat in that conflict before like it just moved on to the actual last act where he's fighting (laughs) back and it's just like all right well you can go do your thing dude and i was like okay that's that's cool like interesting. they're they're gonna take a stance and that's just that's just the way these guys roll
0: it's interesting because I, apparently this movie was actually shot in Mandarin. Like Mandarin is the original language, but this is a Hong Kong film, uh, which you know they speak Cantonese over there, and almost all Shaw Brothers movies are Cantonese. This one is Mandarin, you know, which is the language of mainland China. Uh, and
1: I thought the dubbing was kind of inconsistent as I watched it. Like, I agree with you. I'd rather watch it. Uh, well, I, I, wait, I, I, did you watch No, I know I did watch it subtitled. But I could still tell it was dubbed anyway. It was like mm, you know, like lip syncing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's like sometimes it syncs up better than other times, and I could, I, I, it kind of, it kind of jumped out to me even as I was reading the subtitles.
0: Yeah, my guess is that it was uh, they were all speaking Cantonese, but yeah. they recorded it, the lines in in Mandarin is my assumption, and it kind of tracks with the you know how almost I don't know much about Chinese history or politics, so forgive me if you know this sounds ignorant, but it does seem to get almost. Uh, a little xenophobic against the uh, the 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 Manchu people who you know are have taken over. I don't know. I don't want to you know jump into a, a however long conflict or whatever. I don't but... have the
1: knowledge to do that, so don't worry.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So um yeah, this is a far more political bent, and I I wouldn't be shocked if I learned that like this received funding from mainland China. I don't really know how the <laughs> Hong Kong industry worked in the seventies, but yeah, the focus of the movie is in the this this training sequence of him becoming. Uh, you know, this martial arts master. And that's it it's it runs atypically long for basically any martial arts movie. It's like a f- solid hour mm-hmm. of the movie uh I'll, this is again an element that resonated with a lot of other people in that you know he he needs to learn uh, he tries to start off at like the highest level of training possible and he ends up getting his ass kicked um and then he has to accept that humility and start from a far lower position start from the ground up and build himself up into the kind of man who can uh, stand against these oppressors. Uh, you know, there's an interesting allegorical element there.
1: Well, one uh, thing I did like about that part of the movie is that, well, first of all, I thought it was actually like legitimately hilarious when he uh, when he's like apparently been there for like, the movie kind of has a few time jumps where all of a sudden just like one scene, it's like already been like a year or something like that. And then mm-hmm. at one point, they just like, go from like the ver- like his first day there to like a point where he's been there for like a year and a half or something or two years. And he hasn't done like, any kung fu at all and he's just like cleaning and shit and then at one point someone comes up to him and asks him he's like why are you even why'd you come here dude you're just like cleaning for two years he's like well I wonder to learn in kung fu and they're like why didn't you just ask <laughs> <laughs> And he, he thought it was gonna be like a very big secretive thing that he was gonna have to like weasel his way into doing at some point and that he'd have to catch them in the act and that they were gonna hide it and they're just like No, you just haven't been hanging out in that part. You could have just asked to do it, which I thought was like a really funny thing. Like I, I had, I had no reason to come in with that expectation. But the the viewer, at least me as the viewer, I kind of had the same idea as him that it's like these monks are going to be super secretive about their kung fu and they're going to be resistant to it in the first place. So that's one way in which that part of the movie kind of upended my expectation. And the other one was like I thought, like, I mean, maybe a couple of the people that are training him are like kind of difficult once he's within those chambers. But I thought like they were just going to be like dude, no, you're like just some guy at the street. You got to go like start from the beginning. And they're like, yeah, man, jump into the 35th chamber. No problem, man. Just go do that. I do feel like, I do feel like there's like
0: a bit of like a, a problem with translation because like I said, he starts off in the highest chamber. He gets almost like telekinetically thrown about and he's told like, why would you, why did you, th- how, what did you think would happen? <laughs> you start at the top chamber. And then he says, I'll start with the 35th. I believe that the way by the 35th, they meant the lowest chamber. I think it's just an issue with, like, the translation and the uh, subtitles and all. Because it, my my guess is the impl- – because, like, the next – he starts off, like, with this, like, facing this very esoteric, like uh, – like, the monks are chant- reciting, like, yeah, this trance- passage. Right. And, like, he doesn't really understand what's going on and neither do we, obviously. It's, it's like chaining Buddhist um, yeah,
1: exactly. shit. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, and, like, we have no idea what's going on and neither does he. Um, and then the next – like, he says, I'm going to jump to the th- – I'm going to go instead to the 35th chamber and it ends up being just walking over logs without falling into a pool of water. Oh, so that was and actually like,
1: like the first, and it's just... I assume yeah, so, yeah. Okay. And then it builds
0: from there. And I should say that, um, you know, one of the great things about Shaw Brothers' movies is that they, you, they clearly have a budget to work with. Like, the sets are beautiful mm-hmm. to look at, like the, the vibrancy and the color of everything. Like you can see, every, you know, you can see like every drop of sweat from the physical exertion of these men. And they're doing like, you know, actually like, like Jesus, how are they able to do that? are carrying like these huge fat buckets of water and they're like, like, you know, doing these tests of physical strength, endurance, dexterity, you know, with the staffs and the, it, it's really impressive to, to watch. Even if, uh, it lasts a little longer than I personally would like, but watching the, the, them go at it is, is pretty fascinating.
1: Yeah. Do you have like, I mean, I guess that this is obviously like the meat of the movie. Is there like a, is there a chamber that was just the most fun for you to watch? It's like, Oh, that's kind of like a creative little technique or just a different thing that I really haven't exactly seen on film before. Or I just like the way they shot that. Or do any of them just kind of stick out to you? Like when you think back throughout the entire training sequence? genuinely I do
0: really like I think it was like the second chamber where there's a challenge where they have to you know carry big buckets of water <laughs> up like a up like a sort of pyramid mm-hmm. dump that water down and then go back and keep doing it and they all have uh knives attached to their arms so that if they droop their arms down the knives yeah. stab into their <laughs> stab into their sides and uh you know at first you know he's like you know a weakling you know he doesn't really he doesn't hasn't built up the strength to do this but then you know a time skip later suddenly he's helping out other people and he's told like hey don't do that because it's going to ruin their training it, it's it's great I mean I should point out that uh Gordon Liu is like one of my favorite actors like anywhere and like he's able even as like a you know a stoic monk I think he has like this this regal presence that's just I love watching him do anything, whether it be like a martial arts scene or just, you know, looking very sternly into the camera. He's a pleasure to see.
1: I I did like, I I like the head training. It's like, it's so so insane. It's like, can you really actually make your head stronger? Like you have, I guess you kind of had neck muscles. So like maybe it's actually more about like, like may strengthen your neck so you can withstand that kind of blow, but it just looks so insane. It's just like, shouldn't it just be more like more agility training where you just have to like avoid these bags? And it's like, nope. Well, you gotta, gotta slam our heads into these bags.
0: You gotta understand that that was what chamber like twenty four. You know, <laughs> chamber twenty one. Like they well, have it's to a six chamber, but that. like
1: I mean, if that if were to, it, I think it was towards the end for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, uh you know, I should point out that from what I've seen at least, there are. Uh, traditions that, you know, go into these sort of like, you know, you've seen like the clips of Shaolin monks being, you know, hit in the groin repeatedly and, you know, staying in that horse stance, not just taking it like a man. Like, you know, they, they do mm. some impressive, they do some genuinely impressive feats in real life too. Um, but, you know, uh, when you get to the a- actual fights, Um, the director, uh, he's got his start, you know, as an actor and a stunt performer and an action choreographer with Shaw brothers. And he often would choreograph, uh, the actual fights. He always like, you know, whatever, you know, I like his movies and all, but, um, it's when in the fight scenes that he really shines, uh, you know, he manages to build who these people are uh, through the through the action in a way that very few directors often do. There's one scene, there's one part of the film where like uh, Sante is being challenged by one of his masters, and he gets utterly whooped. He can't compete against this guy you know he's using like these two dagger-like blades and he's using a staff and he's getting whooped um and then you get this scene with him in the dark trying to figure out how to combat him um and you know he uh invents he manages a three-part staff yeah he invents a three-part staff but the scene where he's trying to figure out the mechanics behind it it's it's genuine it feels like magical it feels like you're watching like uh, a Picasso or uh, Leonardo da Vinci at work because of this rousing, magical, lifting score and like the look of concentration on Gordon Liu's face and how, uh, you know, while he's doing these empty movements in this dark, emptied courtyard, you know, they're doing these cutaways to like him visualizing the fight. It's a very interesting way to put together this kind of fight scene. It's the kind of thing that uh, this director does like so well in all of his work.
1: Yeah, so I, and and I and I and I like that when he was being, or I mean, it was kind of like, like both going both ways. Like he was kind of challenged by this other kind of leader within the within the temple, but it was more just like he had advanced so far that like they they wanted to go ahead and like promote him and give him in his own chamber to be in front of. And this guy's like, this is too soon. Like he doesn't deserve this yet. Like he has to beat me. And everyone's like, okay, sure. And he thought that maybe this guy was just going to be like a total dick about it and just be in and like really hate on him but it was more just like he was standing on principle and when sante finally beats him he's like all right you're you're good dude and and that was just it it was like all right this guy the guy just got to live by a code and yeah this is one
0: of the reasons why yeah this is one of the reasons why this is a good introduction to martial arts cinema is that you know these sort of codes of honor uh you know run through all of these movies and seeing it you know as the focus of this one you know you Gonna be used to, you know, when you see these sorts of scenes in other films, you're not gonna be like, wait a second, that's not how it works in real life. You're gonna understand that these, you know, uh, th- these warriors have principles that, you know, run their entire lives, and you'll be willing, you'll be more willing to accept some of the deviations from what you think uh, should happen, you know?
1: Yeah, no, I, I like seeing that kind of code of honor in a way, like, exhibited in one of these earlier movies, because it's even something that, like, I think. Runs all the way through movies that are not really kung fu, but have some kung fu DNA. And I, I mean, I even thought of like, you know, uh, the, the final showdown in, uh, in John Wick 3, where that guy just really wanted to fight John. And but he was like actually like wanting to be friends with him at the same time, and it seemed yeah. like there was like this kind of unspoken like gentlemanly way they were going to go about their fight because it was just the way you, the way you do things. And it's like, yeah, this movie it's not a kung fu movie, but like there are certain things that like you could you could just kind of see from uh, Thirty Six Chamber. That, like, not again as you explained to me, this isn't the first of the genre, but like just yeah, as, someone that as, so, as someone who hasn't just watched a lot of the earlier movies, it's like, oh, cool, that that's like a move in this movie that's like just from a, a Hong Kong production and. In Mandarin slash Cantonese and that's f- very far removed from being anything John Wick 3 or something like that Or and I think there's even a couple moments of the raid that we're going to talk about that like echo that kind of same idea and it's like oh wow it's kind of fun to see like as different as this movie is from some of those others like you can still pick up the same threads
0: yeah absolutely
1: but yeah so I mean Again, it is kind of funny that like we just talked about the training and then there's like movie just wraps up in like 20 minutes after that. Yeah, I will uh, say
0: that I love I'll always love Shaw Brothers, man. You know, they might put you through the paces a little bit, but the last half hour of the movie is basically nonstop action. And then once the bad guy gets beaten, like the moment he gets hit hit in the face for the final time, usually the movie just straight up ends. I love it. They like we know why you came here. We don't need to go any further than <laughs> Yeah,
1: this. You, that's that's a diff- that's something that's different from modern movies. Like in modern movies, you're just you're like accustomed to like, you know, like having to have some kind of scene after that. Always. Yeah, there's a
0: den- there's always a denouement. Yeah. There's, I don't know if I'm pronouncing the word right, den- but they you know, yeah, yeah, whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> they're always got to have like the fallout of their actions. Nope. You just want to see, you know, sante prevail over the evil olay. Who I should point out again, Absolutely fantastic villain in, like, everything that he's ever done. Um, here, you know, he doesn't get as much screen time as I personally would like. But, uh, you know, he's serviceable. Oh, I should also point out, just as a little fun trivia note, that uh, the director's brother is actually, uh, if you remember the opening fight scene, the the guy who ends up getting killed, that's his brother. Uh, who is also a Shaw Brothers director oh. and choreographer. Yeah, there's, there's a whole production posse in this film. Uh, it's pretty great.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I I'll just say that I, I agree with you on that last sequence. It was uh, a it was it was pretty fun to watch. Sante just kind of like go back and he put he puts together a team and he, he does what he wants to do and there's not a whole lot of ifs and buts about it. It's it, they, they like you said they, they they get in and they get out. It, it is it is fun to watch. I mean, as someone even though you had told me it was for beginners, I just going into the movie I was still a little worried that there was going to be like you know maybe a little bit of a, a barrier to entry for me or maybe it might feel kind of inaccessible. But like you know they they don't fuck around. I mean, I I don't know another way to put it. It just, just, like you said, they know what you want to see. I think that's probably very apt it's just they there's not a lot of wasted motion there's not a lot of fat to trim which is something that you can probably say about a lot of action movies so
0: yeah and and you're saying this about a movie that's almost two hours long it's like a good point yeah most of their movies are gonna be like 90 minutes at most most of them are i forgot how long this movie is comparatively
1: this speaks to the effectiveness of what they're doing here that it, it feels leaner than 115 minutes
0: yeah, this is this is, you know, one of their, you know, more accomplished works. It's a solid work. It doesn't have the same sort of emotional resonance for me as it did other people when it came out, but uh still pretty great stuff.
1: Yeah. I- And again, I don't have the same points of reference that you do with all the other movies in this genre, so maybe I can't speak to that. And uh, I don't know. Maybe there's a way where you know you take ten minutes out of the training sequence, maybe or something. (laughs) I mean, I don't. I don't think you're going to feel shortchanged if you take ten minutes out of it and you just put that on the front of the movie. So maybe you like hang out with him and his family a little more. I mean, everything with everything with Santay's family happens off screen, basically, and he finds. I mean, you don't see them die. He he learns from someone else that they died. So you don't really have much of a. You don't really feel much connection there, and maybe, maybe maybe you empathize with him a little more and you feel a little more connected to him throughout if you like see the relationship that he had there. Again, I still like the movie. I'm just saying that maybe there's a couple things that maybe do lend lend themselves to having a little more of an emotional connection with the character as fun as he is to watch regardless
0: yeah emotional weight isn't some i'll admit that emotional weight these movies uh this movies don't don't always do like the best
1: well, but, I but i mean i didn't think I, that's what i was going to watch this movie for so I, that's why yeah, i'm hesitant yeah. to like criticize it too much for that i just it's just like maybe that's one other thing that they could have done that would have made it resonate a different way
0: yeah i got you yeah i'm with you there do
1: you have any other thoughts on this before we move on to the raid
0: no not really it's a good it's a good one man you start start off on this and know that it can only get better
1: oh well that's good to know and we should also say it's on netflix so i know it's like we're we're talking about all this weird stuff about it's in all these different languages and it's this foreign production company but netflix has gotten its hands on it so i don't know things leave netflix all the time but for now you can go get it on netflix but now we're gonna talk about the raid the raid is a 2011 indonesian film from uh British Welsh director Gareth Edwards. I think Gareth Edwards is from um, Wales. Uh, he's Welsh. Yep. Yeah. So he, he, he found his way to Indonesia. I was reading a little bit about his background. You might know more than I did, but yeah, kind of like an interesting path to even kind of get down there in the first place and make this movie, which he's kind of probably most acclaimed for. Uh, but the, you know, the raid is uh, takes place in Jakarta, and it's about a uh, a SWAT team that. Uh, ends up getting kind of trapped in a slum because they've decided to uh, perform a raid on this slum and try and take out this slum lord and his whole army of C D characters that he houses and gives them. He gives these all, all these different kind of druggies and criminals or whatever a place to stay and it, we kind of th- see it as oh these guys are gonna go in and do some good and really clean up the streets and we learn there's a lot more even going on behind the decision to even uh, go in there in the first place but it's. All takes place within this, uh, basically all takes place within this one building and uh, trying to work their way up to take out this uh, drug lord. And all these, the SWAT team is, uh, they thin out pretty fast. Uh, mm-hmm. And, but that we end up seeing the, the guys that are still standing after the first uh, 20 minutes of this movie get in a lot of really, 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 really impressive fights. Man, Daniel, this movie is like a just a shot of adrenaline right into your brain uh, I, 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 or, or shot, a shot of adrenaline right into something, huh? I mean, uh, <laughs> you've been telling me to watch it for a while and I'm, and I'm, and I'm really glad I finally did. And I'll say, first of all, before I uh, throw it to you for your initial thoughts on why you like this movie so much is that I had a bit of a, a worry when we kind of got dropped into this movie at the first place is like, you're just cutting back and forth between all these guys and this SWAT team. And I'm like having a lot of trouble keeping them straight to become, to be quite honest. I mean, a a couple of them look pretty similar and this isn't really a movie about, you know, really deep character study in the first place It's something I was, and they're all wearing the same thing. Yeah. That, that all that kind of doesn't help. So I got kind of, I was like, all right, at the very least, I'm gonna get some kick-ass action. Like everyone's prepared me for that. I know that's gonna happen. I'm excited for that. But I was kind of worried. I just I I thought after the first ten minutes, I'm like, am I supposed to tell any of these people apart? Does it even matter if I can't? Or is just the action gonna be so good that this movie is just gonna be considered like a bomb-ass movie, even though it's just a bunch of guys running around looking identical the whole time? That's what I'm thinking. Like the first ten minutes, and obviously, like I said, this this crew gets thinned out pretty quickly. And I thought it did a pretty good job of like at least like even though you're mostly just watching these guys fight and watching them navigate this really dangerous terrain by the end, I felt like I actually had a pretty good sense of who of who these like remaining guys were. And that did make it really rewarding. I mean, uh, you do see uh, the character uh, Rama with his family at the beginning, but like, so, you know, he does have something to lose and you don't really know much about the other guys' home lives, but, regardless like you do feel like you kind of get to know these guys in spite of the fact that you're there's not a ton of dialogue and you're more just watching them fight and i thought that was just something pretty impressive this movie pulled off and uh obviously the action's like the best part of it but like i think it does a lot of other stuff well too and that was kind of my main takeaway uh what do you love about this movie (laughs) well i think you got it all at one bro yeah the action man like uh, i you
0: know there have been like you know these gritty martial arts films coming out like previously before this you had a ton of like these uh korean revenge thrillers that often incorporated you know some form of martial arts and you know they're brutal and violent and you had tony ja over in thailand and you know do you know making a name for muay thai and doing the you know setting these like you know urbane uh gritty dirty environments you know and he's over here elbowing kneeing people in the face you know it's brutal and unlike you know this image of martial arts films that we've had before you know it's unlike the comedic stylings of uh jackie chan it's unlike the very intricate and beautiful choreography of like the shaw brothers films uh here uh you know it's in a country that we haven't really seen in martial arts cinema before i don't know, know if indonesia. i've ever watched a
1: movie that is even set in indonesia before so that was exactly, interesting enough in and exactly. Of itself
0: for me and it's utilizing a martial art that, you know, had not been showcased before. Pencock's a lot. I'm probably mispronouncing that first part, but it's a lot. Um, you know, uh, the director, uh, Gareth ever-, ever-, ever Is he Edwards? Or Ed- Ed- did I say
1: Edwards? It's Evans.
0: Evans, yeah. I get him confused with the Godzilla guy. Yeah. Um, but Gareth Evans, uh, you know, he comes to Indonesia, I think, to shoot like an unrelated documentary. He ends up meeting all these, you know – Indonesian guys are into this really cool martial art. He does a different movie, Merin Tao, uh starring Iku Uwais. It has Yayan Ruyan, who is the, uh, the the heavy of the bad guy in this movie. Uh, he's the heavy even though he's like significantly shorter mad, than everybody mad, else. Mad dog, yes. Mad dog, yeah. Um, and, you know, then they go on to shoot this very tight, low budget. This movie was shot in like a $1 million budget, yeah. which is like minuscule. Um and uh, they showcase this, you know, very, you know, ferocious uh, file of sight – uh, style of fighting, <laughs> yeah, fighting of style, style of fighting that we have never seen before, and it's a shock to the system. I remember when this trailer dropped, and I was like, "Yo, hmm. what is this? What is this?" I went, I made sure to see this movie opening day. It was me and a bunch. It was only me and a bunch of black people, like other black people, I should say. Um, I don't know. We all got the memo. We all got the memo. The white no people didn't watch did. the
1: trailer. Yeah, I guess not. <laughs>
0: but like you know, uh, we all. It was the most awesome viewing experience you could possibly hope for all in this little ass theater watching these people you know there's like a moment in this film where like he fucking grabs a guy you know jumps up in the air and brings him down on like a smash door frame mm-hmm. uh, oh my god that's one of the
1: that's greatest the, that's the image that, that image is the one that's going to stick with me more than anything i've like never seen anyone get killed that way
0: yeah it it's it it, it is one of the greatest moments of cinema <laughs> i'm sorry it is one of the greatest moments ever you know you can talk about how orson welles reveals himself for the third man and i'm like mm, okay but did he smash a dude's neck onto a door frame no he did not that belongs to the raid um <laughs> and you know like he i will say that this movie does a really great job in like you know pacing yeah because like so often you have these sort of action movies even good action movies where the action is it's cool to look at but it doesn't much. It doesn't build character or anything like that. It doesn't reveal anything about who these people are. And I think that the raid, like you said, does manage to do that. You get the sense that, uh, you know, Rama, the main character, is like this, you know, very tactically minded guy who's very focused and devoted you know, driven on his mission, you get the sense Mad Dog, even though he's using very much the same martial arts style, uh, he's he's just brutal. He he earns his nickname. If it can be
1: called a same martial arts style, when you take out an entire hallways worth of dudes while you're holding another man on one of your arms, that, 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 <laughs> I mean that's the other that's the other sequence that's going to stick with me. Aside from the guy getting killed on the door frame, is it like he? I mean, he's something that is like. I mean, there's been so many hallway fight scenes over the last few years like in various i want to say
0: that this is i want to say that this was the one that kind of started that trend
1: yeah it's like this guy literally does it with one arm somehow and i still don't understand how that happened and you know <laughs> i think i feel like i'd seen like you know archival footage of kung fu movies before where in like old ones you know where like the actual uh, it might kind of be the same idea where one guy takes out a bunch of guys but it's more just like a bunch of guys waiting, and one guy runs up to the. You know what I mean? You know, what, you know what I'm saying. That kind of look I do know of what light, you mean.
0: Actually, if you look at the production blogs, like you'll have like you'll see Gareth Evans uh, talking about how he end up. You know the uh, the action choreographer Eagle Elias was also the choreographer, as was Yayan Ru- Ruyan, the Mad Dog guy. Yeah, um, they all are talking about how like yeah, we wanted to make absolutely certain that you never have a moment where you just have everyone waiting their turn. Right. It never felt. It never felt like that.
1: I mean, like it, it is kind of convenient that like more people just keep running up out of nowhere but like that's still better than it just looks like people waiting their turn and maybe the people waiting their turn is kind of something that goes along with that code where it's like hey maybe it's only fair to like actually like just try and beat this guy like a man one-on-one but like Mm -hmm. at the same time it does look funny when that
0: is the yeah place? no absolutely it's always like you know a little you know even though i love all martial arts yeah. movies of all eras like you know you get a little sense of all right guys you could attack them right now but, it, but you? it, you're the villains right but it, but it never like, it yeah. never
1: feels that way in this movie even no, one guy is, is taking out several people
0: yeah it is frenetic they make a clear and conscious like the way they pay attention to how they build the action uh, the the design of these action scenes it's really stupendous like you know they they make they Really care about where they place the camera. They make sure that you see everything and that anyone that you see in the frame is doing something. It could be that they're recuperating. Maybe, you know, they just got stabbed in the foot and they're trying to, like, you know, get themselves up the wall in order to get back into the fray or something. But there's always constant action uh, that makes actual sense within the scene. Um, there's not a wasted frame within the action. And, you know, <laughs> thank you. This is one of the most influential action movies of this past decade. This, and I would say John Wick. Mm-hmm. Because this, I think it made people sit up and take notice and go, oh shit, we can't just do that lazy, uh, uh, you know, uh, what's the, the Liam Neeson movie? Taken? Um, t- yeah, we can't do that lazy Taken style of action where we just – you know, assemble it in post where he's doing barely anything and we're just cutting like one punch up into like 13 different cut uh, shots in order to make it seem like there's a lot of motion going on. No, this movie showed that you can have all this action, all this motion, all this movement and still make it legible and still make it ferocious and still make it impactful. Uh, I will always thank The Raid for that.
1: I totally agree, and like I said, I I came in expecting like a lot of great action, and there are just like a a ton of great, very uh, tense sequences in this movie. I will say, uh, what, 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 was, there there's, there are other like just fun visual moments that weren't like. And that just showed that the movie knew how to like kind of create like a tense moment without this having to rely on a bunch of punches being thrown at the same time. The first one that came to mind was when they, uh, when the SWAT guys capture one of the guys in the first place and they have him tied up. And I, I don't even really know how to describe the move the guy does when he's tied up, but he like, hmm. I think, I don't remember if he had his arms behind his back and then he like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Somehow he like brings his arms all the way that are tied together all the way down and he's able to like, put it move his feet backwards and like get his get his arms like you know out in front of his body and then he can like grab the knife that's under the table and like just seeing him pull off that maneuver when no one is paying attention like that was like super super like suspenseful and mm, like and the, the the
0: whole hallway scene where like you know they don't realize that the gang members are up in the floor above you know, in darkness and uh, they're just waiting for a chance to get a clear view of the cops before they open fire right. you know this this does a really great job in building tension outside of the you know punches being thrown uh yeah like it does a good job of doing of, of that too the scene where they're in the wall that's what, that's and the villain saying, yeah. is trying to like the villain is sticking his machete into the wall getting closer and closer to mm-hmm. where they're hiding and they both have to like not freak the fuck out uh Oh, man, like, yeah, it, it, it's really great. Uh, this guy, uh, Gareth, he ended up directing a horror movie um, after the two Raid movies. He did, uh, what was it, um, Apostle on, okay. on Netflix. I've never yeah. seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, I don't like it. And that actually gets into one of the things that kept me from really loving The Raid when I first saw it. Um, even though I think that it does a really good job in how it you know, tells the story through action – I think that outside of the action scenes outside of those really tense moments I think it kind of falters um, this is a movie that is you know it's it's like an hour forty minutes and most of it is action but whenever people aren't fighting I, it, it, I feel like it kind of drags I never really got into Rama and his you know uh, his str- his personal well, I was, struggles I
1: mean I was gonna ask you about that. And also, I mean, you have the dirty cop who organizes the whole thing, who I guess is Y U or Yu. W- I, I genuinely,
0: I don't know who he is. I don't think that the, he the, became
1: the old man. Uh, I know. Who, I know. I know who you're talking W-A-H-Y-U. about. W.A.H.Y.U. It's all his name is y I don't know. Yeah.
0: He doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. The actor, I, I've never seen him in anything else.
1: And it might've been my fault for, uh, you know, it might've been my fault for, not paying close enough attention, but I generally pay pretty close attention to movies when when, when I'm for subtitle movies because, you know, you just can't look away. Like, you got to read mm-hmm. the shit. So I, I don't know if they made it that clear. Like, at least reading back on the Wikipedia, they made it seem like you were supposed to tell he was dirty from the moment that he got asked, like, hey, is anyone coming? Like, asking if they had backup. And I don't know if that's supposed to just imply that, like, oh, he's running this these guys on this mission because he is dirty and he wants to take out this guy for some reason. But I didn't think it was particularly clear in that moment, like, what the consequences were of him saying that. Like, it's obviously a big deal if they don't have backup coming. But, like, at least when I read back the plot summary on Wikipedia just to refresh myself, it seemed to kind of imply that, like, they knew he was dirty at that point. And that was just a weird thing where it was, like, I don't know if that they conveyed what they wanted to in that moment uh, or not. I'm not really sure.
0: I'll yeah. admit that I didn't. I didn't really get that impression when I first saw it. When yeah. I, on rewatch, you know, knowing what I do, like I was like, it "Oh makes yeah, makes sense." Because he's kind of yes. like
1: a little. You can tell he's just uncomfortable. So yeah. it kind of makes more sense. But and there are as- moments,
0: and there are moments before that with like the uh, the sergeant in charge of the team that yeah. where like it seems like he's got an ulterior motive. Like I think they, but like I I do agree that there's a little bit of like it's a little bit uneven the storytelling outside of the action um what do you think about the thing with
1: rama and his brother and was that like a big like holy shit moment in the movie theater when you saw it back way back when or no i i mean i
0: didn't i didn't care every yeah. moment that they i mean and i like those two uh, joe taslim i like i i don't know if i've seen joe in anything else he did um he did a show he has a show on i think cinemax now where he plays like a like an immigrant into america in like the old west days he comes into san francisco uh warrior i think it's called hmm. oh no Joe Toslim he's the star of The Night Comes for Us, which we'll get to in a moment. Um, and I like him. I like, you know, Equal Aweas, of course. I love Equal Aweas. And I think they're both fine actors, even, like, dramatically. But I just don't think that this movie really utilizes their talents very well. Like, I just didn't really – nothing has really weight outside of the action. Right. Um that I don't care about the 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 villain. I mean, he's doing like an okay job. This drug lord. I like the like sort of casualness that he goes about this like this. Very methodical. Banal yeah. Evil. yeah, he's very methodical. Very unlike what you'd expect from like you know a dangerous violent slum lord. But you know, I just I just didn't care. I wanted to see the fights. Um, and I will say that um, I think that there is like a. I, I can't believe I'm saying this. There might be a little bit of too much of a good thing going on, or at the very least, uh, there's like a problem with the pacing of the action. Like that last fight um, with uh, Mad, it's Mad Dog, uh, Jaka, Joe and Mm Iguawais, and they're all three going at it, and it's in like this this small room. You know, there's no features. Outside of just them fighting each other, there's no props or anything really, and it's it's it, it becomes a little and it's you know with this you know very drab uh, what's it what's it called when they like take away the color from from a um, it's
1: uh,
0: it's right on the tip of my tongue I don't know sorry but um <laughs> you know it 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 becomes like a little almost taxing because you know you're just seeing a bunch of guys kind of punching and kicking each other and there's not the same sort of action beats that you get in like the scene with the hallway or in the scene in the 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 drug lab you know like there's not
1: i guess it's inevitable in like any kung fu movie that like you know you can't like really just have a guy get knocked out with a punch and then the the movie would be over every, every scene would be over in like three minutes one thing i did appreciate was that like when guys got shot they were like down for the count for the most part. And like mm. it, like a lot, you see a lot of action movies where it's like people just like power through bullets like and are able to just keep going the rest uh, of the movie like nothing. By the happened. way, I, sh- I should clarify
0: that when I said that like, you know, when I'm talking about the length of the fight scene, I'm not necessarily complaining that like they don't get go down in one punch. What I'm complaining about is the fact that, you know, in the how the, the action design is like it's it gets a bit bland when it's just
1: right, right, right. No. Yeah, of, like, I wasn't saying I, I didn't think you were criticizing that. I'm just making a point about that scene myself where uh-huh. and well, in some ways i like i i kind of respected how like the movie didn't just like allow guys to like worked through it when they got shot like that always strike rings false to me for the most part when i see that in movies like and they had to like find a safe place to put the guy and they had to go to that uh the one civilian the one regular civilian couple in the building they had to like up in like their entire situation just to like find somewhere to lay the guy up that did get shot so i was like
0: clear that there's an emphasis on like realism in right there's
1: well yes there's like a consequence to that but then like when you are watching some of those uh, like when you are watching that scene with the three of them it's like god man mad dog just won't fucking go down it's like yeah i get it he's the heavy but it's like at a certain point like you gotta like when you've had your third concussion like maybe the guy should go down because there, there there wasn't that many blocking of punches like they were getting a lot of good ones in i was like all yeah. right maybe like like you said maybe it does get the drag like you can have him go down on like the the third time he gets walloped in the face or something like that and stab, well, stabbed stab by the lighting
0: still uh, that's not Like to 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 give an example um, from the thirty sixth chamber of Shaolin, there's a fight scene in that where he you know he whips out the this three the three section staff to fight against his like you know his mentor figure, and uh, within the fight you get these moments where you can see clearly the tide has turned where the rhythm changes where like he manages to disarm the the teacher which is something he hadn't been able to do you get a, a you know this zoom shot of the teacher you know shocked. And then he picks up his, his other dagger and he goes to fight him again, but he's clearly like losing, he's clearly backing up and such. And then, you know, he gets disarmed there. Then he picks up the other, you know, like there's, there's like a, there's almost like a structure within. And you get that in most of the other fight scenes in the movie. I should note, like even the hallway fight scenes where it's, you know, just an empty yeah. hallway, you get like, you know, he's smashing a dude's face into like a light fixture, you know? This guy gets stabbed. He's down for the count. So now we get to the other two. You know, like there's. I would, a I would agree that that three
1: man fight did not seem to have the same kind of logical flow.
0: Yeah, but it's that's something that I think it's it's more clear the, the the lack of like a concrete pacing in like the the dramatic scenes mm-hmm. um, and i think that that's something that i've noticed and kind of has kept me from really truly fully embracing gareth evans as a director because i think it also becomes an issue in the raid 2 for different reasons and then it's also a problem in uh, apostle also so i think it's something that the dude needs to work on but i mean clearly he has an eye for like you know action and building a scene and storytelling within that action which is something that not a lot of people have especially for someone who i don't think is himself like a stuntman or a martial artist or anything like that um he just managed to kind of learn the rhythms of this fighting style which you know props to you
1: i do have a compliment for gareth evans the writer I would say that like there was a there's a quote that I think Tama, the main villain, says later in the movie that I can't remember exactly what point. I think it's when he's confronting Andy when Andy, like he knows Andy has uh he spotted Andy helping out Rama on the surveillance video, but Andy doesn't know that. And he's like kind of talking to him and he says, Never underestimate the persistence of paranoia and I was, I was like, wow, that is like a great quote that like, this made me like think of so many other movie villains at the same time that like are just, the, the, especially ones that are like just so thorough and methodic and maybe not as, you know, outwardly bombastic as w- which would describe the Tama here. It's like, wow, that's like a great, like succinct quote that kind of explains is how f- the most effective movie villains operate. And I really respected that line. It didn't really feel corny to me. I was like, oh, wow, that's just like an interesting choice of words that I really liked. And that just really stuck with me more so than like, it, it, I guess, because there's not a a lot of really memorable dialogue in this movie it's not about the dialogue but that was something that stood out to me that i thought really kind of captured the essence of that character even if things ultimately don't work out for him
0: yeah fair enough
1: uh any other thoughts on the raid
0: uh no man it's i mean you know despite my my slight issues with like you know the the actual drama and the, the actual crime story part of the movie like i mean again this is just one of the greatest action films ever made it's certainly one of the most influential of, in recent years uh it put like all these people on the map that you've got to pay attention to the careers equal ways joe Taslim, yayan ruyan like you know like it, it's actually I have a question epic. for you
1: uh, sorry yes. keep going ahead but i no i didn't mean to cut you off finish your point
0: no 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 that was basically it like it's just it's a must see for anyone if you you cannot talk about action movies or i would argue movies without having seen the raid
1: yeah i guess the only other thing i was going to ask before i like gave any final thoughts on my arm is that do you think this movie's trying to say anything else about like um about society just you know
0: i mean no 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 absolutely that's what not. i'm thinking about like you
1: know i mean no no
0: no um i, I look i mean Maybe you could read something into it. I don't know much about like the political situation in, in Indonesia. Right, I right. don't think that was – I don't think that was his intention from my understanding. Uh, what he had in mind was this like prison epic okay. and uh, the producers got back to him and said, hey, we're not going to – we can't afford this movie that you're giving the, us the script for. But if you got something that you can make for like a million dollars, we could – we could maybe work with that. And so he managed to build the concept of this movie with uh equal and yayan ruyan. Like I appreciate by the way that like you can tell that action was like, you know, on their mind from the beginning of this movie. You can go and watch like tons of like the pre production, the previs previs previs, whatever. I, I can't say the word mm-hmm. previs. You can see the previs fights that, you know, they're working on Uwayus and Yayan. Um Where, like, clearly, like, they're building this movie from the ground up as an action vehicle, uh, which, you know, not a lot of people did at the time in 2011. Uh, So, you know, props.
1: Yeah, I guess, you know, the the reason I even asked the question in the first place was because, you know, uh, I'm just thinking of, like, just the use of police resources in the first place is, like, a thing that I've, like, seen depicted in other pop culture before. And, I mean, obviously, completely different type of show or completely different type of entertainment. But I was thinking about The Wire a little bit and how, I mean— something very persistent that runs through that is that just how the police are just like never focusing their attention on the right thing and that's just like a Mm -hmm. a, an ongoing theme of that show and i'm like here it's implied that they would not have under normal circumstances they would not have been given the green light to do something like this and it it, it, that is pretty evident even before you have the scene where they you find out that it's not sanctioned because you're just like wait like they're just like shooting people that don't even like that are unarmed like this can't be like Mm -hmm. an actual like legit thing right here and i was (sighs) thinking like i mean Uh, is it kind of, like, making the point that, like, look, they really should never be focused on these kind of, like, low-level criminals, but I think we we do come to learn that these guys are pretty bad dudes, so it's, like, they probably... A lot of them probably, like, are not the, like... They're not, like, street-level, like weed dealers i think it's kind of implied that like a lot of these people are in a far worse shit than that so we shouldn't be like take it as any kind of moralizing on like you know the waste of like police resources on like you know nonviolent criminals these are violent people but it did seem like such like an over-the-top thing that they were trying to pull off but i guess when you take into account that like this isn't really a police sanctioned thing this is something that this guy is doing to try and up his status as like the main crooked crop cr- cop that works for like a bad guy that's unseen in this movie it's like oh yeah we don't really need to think too hard about this
0: yeah i'm, I'm more i'm more of that line of thinking yeah. like they just needed they just needed a convenient um mm-hmm. foe that you don't have to think too much about when you see them get horribly killed for
1: sure uh but yeah uh i don't the raid's the, not like streaming on netflix or something but you can find it and you can rent it other places if you don't already own it so daniel and i both would obviously highly recommend you do that and uh Daniel, before we sign off, do you have any uh, streaming recommendations? I guess this is actually the first time you've been on the podcast since, like, the crisis started. So, I mean, we, we normally do Recommendation Corner anyway, but I feel like it's more important than normal, you know, because while we always kind of have people recommend stuff, like, people really don't have anything better to do these days than to, like, go watch things. So is there anything you've been watching lately that you'd recommend someone check out? Okay, well,
0: I've me personally, I've been watching, like— anything that i can i've been watching tons of criterion channel tons of like whatever the show on movie i recently found this uh oh thank god i found this there's this youtube channel that recently started up uh, i forgot what it's called it's like legacies of brazilian cinema and they're putting up like all this art house brazilian cinema from like you know like the cinema Novo movement of the 60s cinema Marginal from like the early uh, late 60s and 70s you know uh really obscure shit from like the 30s short films uh it's really fantastic but since we are talking about the 36 chamber of shaolin and the raid i figured that i should focus in on uh martial arts films especially because basically everything you can find online like streaming for free if you have an amazon if you have an amazon prime account especially you can find so much of the especially underrated gems and netflix actually has a couple of the big names also and if you can't find it there you can find it on like one of these free ad supported services like tubi or you can even find a ton of them on youtube because there's uh, a bunch of good people over there uh Shout out to the Wu Tang Collection, which is a YouTube channel, who are putting out like a ton of these films, usually from like VHS rips. But anything is better than not seeing these sorts of movies. Um, so on Netflix, you've got the Five Deadly Venoms, which is this uh, from another one of the big the big directors in this Shaw Brothers stable, Cheng Cha, from uh, what's his name, uh, from the director of. Uh, the movie that we were just talking about. Um, you've got the Legend of the Drunken Master or Drunken Master Two, starring Jackie Chan. Uh, Gareth Evans? No, no, no. Oh, <laughs> Thirty Six oh, oh, Chamber. Thirty oh, oh, okay, Six Chamber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you've got Heroes of the East, which I believe is uh, that's on Prime, uh, which also stars Gordon Liu. That one was. Uh, it's actually interesting because that one ha- has um, this. Kung Fu expert who calls out, like who like starts putting down Japanese martial arts, and then five Japanese martial artists come to China in order to kick his ass. And uh, it's a showcase of Japanese martial arts versus Chinese martial arts that you very rarely saw at that time. Um, you have all the sequels to The 36th Chamber of Shaolin on Netflix. You've got The Deadly Mantis, which is on Prime. From Chang Cha, you also got... uh, I'm sorry, I need to get this out, man. I I want people to see these sorts of movies. Um, Half-Sword Will Travel, which is a more classical wuxia, uh, heroic bloodshed sort of movie that's on Prime from Chang Cha. Also, you've got... Actually, this one I actually recommended to you specifically because we were talking about The Raid. Hmm. Vengeance, which is a 1970 movie uh, from Chang Cha that's on Prime. And that movie... Is uh, unusually violent for like the Shaw brothers. Normally, (laughs) that they're very normally, you know, their action is bloodless. You know, even though they're you know using swords and all, it's very dance-like. It's very elegant, and you don't see blood sprays or anything like that. This one is brutal (laughs) as hell. Like watching it, I couldn't help but think of the raid. I wouldn't be shocked to hear that Gareth Evans had seen this movie before. Um, It's it's really great. Out of the Shaw brothers stable, I think the best. That you could possibly see is going to be Human Lanterns, which is actually a like it's like a martial arts slash slasher movie almost from like 1982 uh, by some director who didn't really do that much with the studio. That's on Prime. It's gorgeous to look at. It's incredibly creepy. And it's got Lole, the villain from uh, the 36th Chamber in one of his best performances on YouTube, you can find He Has Nothing But Kung Fu, which is directed by the brother of the director of Thirty Six Chamber of Shaolin, which is this martial arts comedy. I think it might have been also, it was an independently financed movie. I think it might have been shot in Taiwan. I'm not sure. Also starring Gordon Liu. uh, And I think that it got some of the most creative fights that you'll ever see. And on the subject of the raid, if you want to see showcases of martial arts outside of like China, you know, you've got... Sorry, you've got Only the Strong, uh, which is an American martial arts movie uh, about Capoeira, the Brazilian dance martial art that stars uh, Mark Dacascas. I don't know if I pronounced his name correctly. Yeah, no, the guy you know,
1: from you, John Wick 3.
0: Exactly. Kaskis, yeah. He's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like a 1993. It's very goofy. It's about this, you know, ex Green Beret who comes to Miami to teach underprivileged high school kids capoeira. And of course he gets into conflict with a Brazilian gang leader who also is a capoeira master. You know, it's very silly, but it's very, you know, it's fun and it's nice to see a showcase for a very beautiful martial art that doesn't normally get seen. Chocolate is also uh, what I would recommend for uh, Muay Thai. Like I like Tony Jaa's action scenes but his movies uh getting to those action scenes requires sitting through some very uncomfortable content so I would recommend Chocolate instead which features uh I forget her name now but she's brilliant there's a but Vietnamese you that
1: movie on like a couple of different occasions. When we've been Have talking. I? Yeah. All
0: right. That's good. Well, it deserves to be mentioned. You've got a jailbreak, which is a Cambodian. It's almost like the raid, except in a prison. Um, and that one is on Netflix, actually. 2017 martial arts movie. And that it features its own like uh, kind of it's like a Cambodian-style kickboxing. I forget the name of the style. I apologize. But um, also very brutal. A little bit less R-rated, but you know, <laughs> it's very very violent, very violent. And finally, I should note this. There are I, – I can't believe – you're not going to believe me saying this. There are even better alternatives to the Raid series out of Indonesia. Uh, Headshot and Night Comes for Us. These are two mm. Indonesian martial arts movies, also starring Igo, I think Iko Oasis is the villain in one, and Joe Taslim is the hero. And then in the <laughs> other one, the the it's reversed, I believe. It's from a director I for, I cannot pronounce his last name for the life of me, but it's his first name is Timo. He actually co-directed a short film for I believe VHS Two. He co-directed a short for that film with Gareth Evans. And these movies are, I mean, the plots are very, very convoluted, but enjoyable enough to watch their actually work as pretty good thrillers in a way that i i feel like the raid series always kind of struggles with the storytelling outside of the action these movies don't and they have even more ambitious fight scenes than anything that i've seen in the raid which i I'm, i'm not saying that it's a diss on the raid the raid is phenomenal and brilliant and these two movies i think do it even better so headshot and Night comes for us both of them are on netflix
1: all right. Well, there you go. If you need some Kung Fu movies to get you for, through quarantine, Daniel probably just gave you enough to get you through the next three months. <laughs> so, um, I'm going to make one recommendation because, you know, I, I have to do this every week and I'm only watching so many movies because I've like screwed up my sleep and work schedule to the point where I just don't really watch movies during the week now. It's like basically a weekend thing for me. Uh, so I don't have as much to report. But I last weekend, a movie that I've always gotten around, tried, to, been meaning to get around to watch that I finally did and really enjoyed was Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. And, uh, well, uh yeah, it's, it's on Amazon prime. If you want to go check it out. And I mean, I knew the premise of it, obviously, you know, where a, a young white woman is surprises her parents by bringing a black guy home to meet him. And I just knowing that premise, I just thought it was going to be like a super cringy, uncomfortable, awkward movie. And it's not that at all. I, if for some reason, I had it built up in my head that that was what it's going to be. And instead, it's something a lot more interesting than that, where it's like a lot of people kind of deal with trying to come to terms with how they feel about race relations in that time and dealing with what they know is right versus what they think is com- what makes them comfortable. And I just think it's a great movie that really delves into a lot of those issues and doesn't really seem afraid to ask hard questions. And yeah, it's, I, it's
0: It's been a while since I've seen that movie, um, so I don't remember it too, too well, yeah. but from my memory of it i'm going to second everything you just said i think that it's far more uh, nuanced than you'd expect i mean because you know the the girl bringing this black dude home uh she's bringing him home to like her like very affluent you know l- supposedly liberal who, yeah, parents who
1: consider themselves very liberal but are they as liberal as they think and that's a pretty great uh which is weird also because the movie like it could probably like i mean obviously like i'm sure this i mean i i, I don't really recall but i'm sure it got obviously thrown out there a lot uh, when get out came out, but you know, get out, obviously like th- it's going to draw some comparisons, but like the whole point of that movie is that they were, they were telling their daughter to bring home a black guy. So, mm. uh, I mean, it, it's different. And I, it what's funny though, is like, you could easily drop, guess who's coming to dinner into like 2019 and not change that much. And it would not feel out of place.
0: Yeah, it right. would still work. I haven't seen a lot of that. Have you seen anything else that dude directed Stanley Kramer?
1: Uh... Maybe I don't know. Uh, uh. Uh, he did. Let's see, Judgment of Nuremberg. Yes. uh Judgment of Defiant Nuremberg is great. I'm not yeah, seen the fine ones. I've heard it's good though.
0: Yeah, he he's done like a lot of these sort of like social issues movies that a lot of people I think even at the time kind of considered a little corny. I've only ever seen Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, which I like, and it's a Mad 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 World, which is this you know uproarious comedy, which I really don't like but um i've always been wanting to dive into his stuff one day i'll give guess who's coming to dinner or rewatch myself yeah
1: yeah i mean i i i was like bursting with stuff to say about it after i finished and i almost like tried to i mean i just had him on the podcast so i i, I didn't really want to uh bother josh brown again but like i saw he had five stars on letterbox so i almost like made him do a podcast but like, i just got so much other stuff on the list so i, I and i feel like I, maybe as much as i enjoyed it maybe just me just being the like, regular 29 year old white dude i don't really feel like being the voice of authority on that movie but like great movie everyone should check it out also watch judgment at nuremberg and i definitely want to check out a few more stanley kramer things but i just was very impressed with how uh uh with with, with how guess Who's coming to dinner was written so i kind of like wanted to like i, I wanted to go check out other stuff that that writer did because i think that that writer actually wrote like other stuff that got nominated for oscars um who is it uh uh william rose uh so i don't really remember everything i but he did like a lot of stuff that like i'd heard of that i just hadn't actually watched. oh i guess he did what he wrote it's a mad Wild world too so oh um, he uh
0: wait i i think he i i think no okay he wrote the original lady killers i was about to say if he wrote the Cohen brothers one oof but no that would he's got a you know adapted from credit
1: yeah so there. a lot of his okay. other stuff i think was like um he got oscar nominated for like uh the russians are coming and the russians are coming and i've been
0: wanting to see that one genevieve
1: and the lady killer so all of those and so i I don't know, watch Guess Who's Coming to Dinner and then uh, go from there. But like a lot of great performances. Catherine uh, Hepburn won an Oscar for Best Actress and I don't think it was undeserved, but I can't say I've seen all the performances from that year. So just a lot of really interesting stuff to watch. Uh, so yeah, check that out. Uh, Daniel, thanks for joining us. I think I'm going to have Daniel back for um, a couple of podcasts in the next month. So uh, everyone stay, back, stay tuned for that. Uh, coming up next week, we're probably talking about a movie called Scoob. So stay tuned for that, Uh, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.